Amen. It is so good to be back. It is so good to be back. It feels, I think this is the longest I have been away uh, since we started, right? Two, two whole weeks, I think. And it, it, was, it was such an awesome trip. But after the team left, I stayed an extra five days, and it seemed like that time was two times what it was before. <laughs> it just seemed longer and longer and longer because it was so busy. And we did so much. But uh, I just want to thank all the mothers because mothers are synonymous. There's, what they represent is synonymous with sacrifice. And what a mother puts out for their child is so much further than anyone else would or could. And I, I find it interesting, you, you notice that, uh, that when the God of this universe injected himself into creation, right, he became a man, he did not do it through the father, he did it through the mother, right? He was born of a virgin. Mary was a mother to him. And, and I think there's something very special with mothers. So I, I'm, I'm so thankful. And, and, and today, we're not talking about Mother's Day in particular. But I wanted to mention that up front, because what we are talking about today has to do with mothers, but really has to do with everybody. It's so awesome to see you. It's so awesome to see you. Sorry. For those online, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's okay. <laughs> but I want you to know what we're talking about today is sacrifice. And as, as God typically does, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Alex last night, and, and I'm like, well, Lord, you know, when are you going to give me what you want me to say tomorrow morning? And the whole time I'm thinking, well, I, I know he's going to have me talk about Nigeria. There's so much to tell about Nigeria. We could spend hours here just going through what happened in, in Nigeria. But, but, Lord, I know you have something specific. And, and oftentimes he'll let me know by, by Saturday evening, at least to make me feel better. But he didn't. And, uh, but he knew in his mind that my body clock has not adjusted yet. So I find myself waking up anywhere from about 4.30 in the morning until about 6 in the morning. Somewhere in there I wake up every morning and can't go back to sleep because Nigeria is five hours ahead. Okay, if you know me, I am not a morning person. So, so that is God right there. I am not a person that wakes up at 6 in the morning and is chipper and everything else. No, I, I, will, I will be just the opposite of that. But that's how it's been since I've gotten back, because technically that's like waking up at, you know, like 9.30 or 10, <laughs> which I don't do that either. But he knew that he was going to wake me up this morning early, and he knew that he was going to bring into place many things that would fall into this morning's message. And one of those happens to be, and the reason why I still have it on this slide is it happens to be that it came through my mother, 
And one thing that, that my mother does is she will send me things. First of all, growing up, she and I were very close, had a very close friendship. I did with both my parents. Um, and then, then getting married and that, you know, that relationship changes. But one thing that never changed, especially as I became a pastor, is her feeding me with things that she feels the Lord wants me to see. Wants me to know, and, and it, it was no different this morning, and she probably sent it last night at some point, because um, another thing I'm not used to is going to sleep at 10. Okay, what is that all about? That doesn't work for me. So maybe God will let me get on my normal schedule after this. But, uh, uh, but anyway, so she, she sent something last night, and it was an email, and it talks about really... The, the crux of what we're talking about today is sacrifice, but it's about taking ground. It's about our calling as a church, but not just our calling as a church, but our calling as the church. And I don't mean ignition. I mean the body of Christ. I mean everybody who is saved, who has accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, has a calling to be part of something Part of something that is this sacrifice, but it's this higher calling. It's this calling to take ground that the enemy has, has controlled for so long. And, and so, so again, as, as God's starting to put this together, she sends me this email and I, I'm reading this, this morning and it, and it was a prophecy from, from, um, a guy on, uh, it was out of Charisma magazine, I believe. I can't remember his name. Joey Letourneau, never heard of him. I had never heard of him before. And as I began to read this, this morning, it was so clear to me what God was beginning to put together. So I want to read this to you. And, and in the middle of it, we're going to insert some other things. But I want you to listen to this from the perspective of your calling of understanding what God is doing in your life, not for your life. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about what he's doing in your life so that you have a better life. That's not what I'm talking about. Because that is putting the cart before the horse. When we seek him with everything, he puts everything else into place. We've talked about that. Matthew 6.33. So I'm talking about the very calling that is supposed to be first and foremost in our lives, and that is Jesus Christ. And that is what we have in relationship with him. So this prophecy, I'm going to begin reading because it not only applies to something else that happened yesterday, which we're, we're going to discuss, but it happens to something, or it, it, it's regarding something that happened very specifically in Nigeria when we were there, and I'll go through that as well. Before I begin reading this, let's just pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you and we praise you, Father. And I thank you that through worship you broke this spirit of heaviness that I sensed at the beginning. And through the second to that last song, Great Are You, Lord, through that chorus, I just felt it break. And Father, I thank you for the power of worship, for the power of praise, for the power of lifting up your holy name. I thank you for that. 
I thank you for what you're doing right here, even as you work in the hearts of these people, as you work in the words coming from my mouth. Father, I pray that every word is yours and none are mine, because we're desperate to hear from you. We're desperate. So, Father, we trust you in that, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this section is called Possessing the Land. He reads first out of Matthew 16, verse 18, and he says, And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. As he was reading that, the Lord gave him a prophetic word. And he said, I know your works. I know your love and your sacrifice. I know how obedient you have been in the face of resounding pressure. I want you to apply this to your lives. We apply this to Ignition Church. For two and a half years, we have followed stringently, passionately, what he wants for our lives. What he's doing in our lives. So I want you to apply this to you and to Ignition and to, to your surroundings. I know that you have ventured so far out on the waters, across many limbs, and have followed the breadcrumb trail of my manna in the way, and to the place that I am showing you. I see your heartfelt surrender, your desire for my will, your commitment to my word and your love for my people. I know how much you have preserved and are preserving through. And I am with you. Do you see me still standing next to you in the fire? Do you hear my whisper amid the storms? I am Elroy, the God who sees you. And knows you in the very moment you are walking in right now. The active living faith you have been preserving in to possess the land and rebuild God's house and family is the very rock he is building upon. Your increased faith during this time in the fact an even greater resource than any land or any building you might possess. We are often looking to the end of what our faith will produce, but God is calling us out. Look at the great faith that is being produced in you. Your authority is not the sling or the stones, but in the faith you wield them with. David walked in greater authority even before it had been given to him. So too does your faith reveal the crown you live from. A king cares not for the crown on his head if he already wears one upon his heart. Let me repeat that. A king cares not for the crown on his head if he already wears one upon his heart. As your heart rises up in assured, simple, and steady belief, so too 
Will you defeat the giants of your land and possess not only the gates, but the land and all it leads to for my glory? I'm going to continue on because there's much more. And it begins to shift to this understanding of sacrifice. But I want to play something for you first. Because yesterday we had the gifts meeting. And which, by the way, is available to anybody. Every other Saturday we do a gifts meeting where we, we share what God is doing in our lives and opening up giftings in our lives and working in us and, and helping each other walk through that process according to the Word of God. So we had the gifts meeting yesterday, and, and, and throughout the meeting, Shannon had a vision, which she came up to me afterwards. And she was a little frustrated because she kept asking God, why can't I just say this in the meeting? It, it, it seems to apply to everyone. Why, why can't I? And he kept saying, no, it's for Greg only. And then when she told this to me, I had the same reaction. Well, I don't know why he couldn't say that in the meeting. But he said it's for Greg only. And so I didn't understand until this morning when I read this email. And God began to put this together. That there was a specific time for you to hear about this vision. And that specific time is right now. So I recorded this, and we're going to listen to this vision. This, this is Shannon, and I, I edited out all the stupid parts that I made comments. <laughs> so, you know, we, it, it's, it's pretty much right there. But go ahead and play, play this. This is Shannon yesterday. Vegetation growth. So in little corners of the room, I would see these vines, these green vines just kind of growing. And I first thought it was just my imagination, but I just kept seeing it. Then um, it went away, and the meeting went on. Then towards the end of the meeting, I saw it again, and the growth grew bigger, and it spread all over the ground and over every surface. It even wrapped itself around you. And I saw berries sprout on the ground, small little berries, like blueberries. And then I saw um, over the table that's inside that living room area, you know, that was covered with vegetation. Um, I saw vegetation cover that, and then I saw it cover the couch, and it was over every surface. And then I saw these pomegranates just pop up right next to where Lindsay was. And then behind Lindsay's head, I saw a flower sprout. And behind Peter's head, I saw a flower sprout. And behind Marty's head, I saw a flower sprout. And then in the middle of the... um, of the room from the top of the ceiling I saw this huge almost like papaya looking it was orange this huge fruit just drooped down from the the ceiling and even though everything looked beautiful in my heart I felt like this was a bad thing Mm. I felt ominous and I couldn't understand why then I saw angels come in and they had blow torches and they had axes and they destroyed a lot of the vegetation and um, they, they cut the vegetation and then they torched it, they crushed the berries into a foot, they sliced off the pomegranate and then they went up to that huge fruit hanging from the ceiling and they cut it and they laid it on that table that was in the center of the room and when they sliced it open, thousands of baby spiders flowed from it. And I heard the Lord say, this is the fruit of deception. 
and then they they destroyed everything except those flowers that sprouted. And they carefully transplanted them and removed them and put it in a basket. And they carried it out of the room into the throne room. And they laid those before the king. Uh, the king meaning um, God, the father, yes. And he said, let my son go and plant them. So Christ, he rose up from his throne, he collected all of them, and he carried them out to a field that was, that, that was empty and level. And the field was good soil, but nothing was planted. It was empty. And he laid each flower. Now, there were many flowers. Even though I only saw three sprout, I knew that they had harvested many flowers. And they were all in this basket. And he, plant, he, he, put, he laid them down in the field in a pattern. And I couldn't see the pattern, but I knew that it was a pattern. And when he had finished laying them, they began to grow, and they turned into the temple of David. The, Solomon's um, temple. temple okay. Yeah. So it was like this huge stone temple of God. So some of those flowers grew into into pillars. Some of them grew into the roof. Some of them grew into walls. And it all raised up and became the temple of God. Okay. Um, and then that was the end. And the impression that I got was that the fruit that had to be destroyed was the the fruit of the spirit that has been limited in the church and that it's been fueling a fruit of deception and he needs to destroy it so that he can harvest the purity that is going to raise a temple that God can live in. Now what do you mean by the... Oh, say that again, the, the spirit that had to be destroyed is, is the spirit of what? I'm not sure what the name of the spirit is, but the impression that I got was that all that fruit that was crushed the berries, the pomegranate, the um, that huge one in the middle. These are works that are being done in in the church. In our church? No, not in our church. The church as a whole, the body. Oh, okay. No, that's okay. not what this is about. Okay. Um, this is this vision. I feel very confident in saying is about the body of Christ. Okay. Globally. Okay. Um, and it's talking about. My impression is that it's talking about this fruit that is not eternal that is popping up everywhere, yeah. and it looks beautiful, but it's filled with these spiders, this deception, right. and it needs to be cut down, right. and it needs to be torched, and what is coming up that's pure needs to be transplanted. Amen. You know, that vision was historic and prophetic. And I'll explain what I mean by that. And I didn't know it at the time. Uh, but that's what the Lord spoke to me this morning about as he filled in what was going on in that vision in my mind at 5.30 this morning. <laughs> the historic part of that vision is what God has begun to do in us. What God has begun to do in Ignition Church he has taken the, the individuals and replanted them in good soil and began teaching them how to love. Because love is the only thing that spreads. Christ's love in 1 Corinthians 13 said it covers everything. But then the, the other part of this vision is prophetic. Because what he wants to do with the body of Christ is the same thing that he is doing with ignition. 
taking what is good, understand what I'm saying, taking what is good in us, which is our desire to have relationship with Jesus Christ. When we have that desire, there is a flower inside of us. There is a budding inside of us that, that he wants to nurture. Understand that the picture of this prophetic vision was awesome this morning because the Lord showed me, you know, the, the flower always comes before the fruit. Think about that. On a budding tree or, or a budding bush, the flower always comes before the fruit. But real fruit, real fruit from the Lord, has to be planted in good ground. It can't be ground that just feels religious. See, I thought it was so awesome how, how God puts, puts things together because as Brooke prayed this morning... She prayed exactly what God was, was flowing through me to work in this message this morning. Praying against this religious spirit. This is something that, that he is breaking. He has broken this in us. But because of that, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to take that out. And that's what he's been doing. That's what he's been training us in. That's what he's been leading us to do and equipping us for. So I want to keep reading here. But understand that that vision, that vision is historic, but it's prophetic. So let's keep reading with this idea of taking ground. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. That's out of Genesis 22, verse 17. See, Peter and Abraham were given very similar promises in the word of God. Both about taking ground behind enemy lines. Do you understand? There's a difference there. Taking ground behind enemy lines. Neither of these are defensive promises, which we've talked about. We did a whole series on, on the armor of God from the perspective of charging into the battle. Not defending in the battle, but going on offense in the battle. So both of these are from the perspective of offense and not defense. Sometimes I think the fear culture of the world can try and make us believe that these promises are reassuring us that the enemy's attempts won't prevail against us. Instead, these are offensive promises. Not that they offend, but they go on the offense. Right? I want to make sure you get that. Assuring us of victory and the new ground coming when we run into the opposition of the enemy's gates. He goes on to say, I understand the pressure you are feeling. This is, this is the prophetic word still that he is receiving. I understand the pressure that you are feeling. You are the opposition, or they are the opposition you were created to face. They are opposition I have given you victory over. And opposition I prophesied about to Abraham, knowing that you would step into this moment 
in history to plant my flag of victory in new lands on earth as it is in heaven. The faith that you are living is the living stones of my house. See how that ties into that vision? What God is building up when he makes a purity within his bride and they're planted in good soil and it is no longer about this religious spirit but it is about relationship with Jesus Christ or with the Father through Jesus Christ and they're planted in good ground then that sprouts up to be the building blocks of his kingdom. The building blocks of that temple. My family house that is expanding its walls and foundation to draw in many more of my children across the earth. Your preserving faith is exactly what the world needs and is the very result I am seeking. Your faith builds my house more than you can see right now. For in heaven, massive expansion has taken place even when you don't think it has accomplished what you had hoped. Your faith is the greater work. Your faith is the greater work. Your faith is pioneering in the Spirit, knocking down gates, paving paths for my family to have new ways into my house. The enemy uses fear as a false or manufactured pressure to take ground from us. In a similar and even more powerful sense, our faith puts pressure on the enemy and causes him to fear the kingdom we are bringing from heaven into reality. Do you understand what that's saying? If you are feeling pressure in your purpose with God, it is very likely because your forward steps of faith are putting unbelievable pressure on the enemy. And it is only a matter of time before you not only break through that gate, but open the door for many others to follow and build in that territory or sphere of influence. This last section is called Taking Ground Through Community. He reads from the verse, Acts 4, verse 32, and it says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. It is with great urgency, this is the prophetic word continuing as he read that verse. It is with great urgency I call you to turn your head from your agenda and your needs and pay close attention to those I have brought fresh and new by your side in this season. It is a special Keros season for my community. The relational words of the past are healed, and in this season, I will bring around you the right people to join you in rebuilding your part of my house and this land. Your number one gift 
is an exponent in the lives I've brought alongside you. And likewise, their number one gift will be exactly what you need to fulfill other pieces of your dream you've longed to see come about. This is a season to watch others be part of the fulfillment of your dream. And likewise, you for theirs. My divine fulfillment in this season will come together swiftly as the unity I'm bringing through community causes exponential launch. You have heard about the acceleration and the suddenlies I am sending. And these special people in your community are a significant part of seeing those come to fruition. My family structure will establish the physical structure of my house. He is the finisher of our faith. Zechariah 4.9 says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. My beloved, believe and hope against all odds. Keep knocking with the same faith you had during your first knock on the door. I am finishing this. Run with me like Paul and finish strong. Know that I am finishing what I have promised. It may not be the external means or timing you expect, but I will produce far more from it through the path that I lead. Trust me to be the finisher of what your faith is now building. Allow your faith and patience to co-labor together, and you will co-labor with me to finish well. With only faith, or only patience, it would be like using only one oar to try and row forward, leading to little more than moving in circles. But with both faith and patience, rowing together, the opposite one another, we will cross over quickly. I bless your faith and I bless your patience to finish strong as I am finishing on your behalf. See, God uses prophetic words to teach us. And how we know that they apply to us is because he brings us to a place where he gives confirmations. I won't go into it, but he had given Shannon two or three confirmations yesterday before she even told me that vision. He has given me confirmations of this, uh, of this that my mother sent me being applicable to us. And I want to, I want to tell you a story as to one of those applications. This goes back to kind of telling what happened in Nigeria. It's just a little different than we are in the United States. <laughs> okay, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And in many ways, my heart was left over there, as many others' hearts have been left over there. Because these people are hungry. And so many of the differences actually break my heart. The differences in hunger for Jesus Christ 
See, when a country has much, they feel their need is less. This is my third time. Third time in Nigeria, fourth time in Africa. And this time, we went to a place called Kuduku, which is in the bush, about two-hour drive into the bush. And, you know, there, there's nothing around it. So you've got the huts. We had one church building there that was, I don't know, maybe a little bit bigger than this living room. And the rest of it is just land, right? You have these, these grass huts, mud huts. All around, we, we pull in and there are over 2,000 people waiting for us. It was ridiculous. It was crazy. There are no hotels. <laughs> These people did not, you know, book a room at the Sheridan to be able to listen to us for two days. No, they, they had a space on the ground. A space on the ground which is occupied by other things. <laughs> I'll, I'll digress for one second because I thought it was the funniest thing. We're, we're here watching, the, we showed the Jesus film, which many of them had never seen a film before in their lives. And, and the kids are just glued on this thing. And, and, you know, we had so many people there, and they're just glued. And, and, and I'm watching this, you know, just kind of watching them and, and intrigued by how much they're enjoying this. And, and this kid, just, just kind of not even thinking about it, all of a sudden he takes a stick and he goes... And then he keeps watching, you know, he keeps watching. And I noticed, that was a scorpion. <laughs> he, he, he didn't get up and run away. He, he just kills this scorpion and then keeps watching. Okay, this is a different world than what we're used to. That's what I, that's what I want you to understand. But, but what was going on here was crazy. These people, they, sleep, they came to hear us and they slept on the ground. They had, we, we tried to provide as much food as we could. That's part of what we raised money for. But there wasn't enough, obviously, for over 2,000 people. But they stayed. And they were there. And God said he was going to do something special. And one thing the Lord told me is, we're pulling up and I see all these people. The Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you, the second you get out of this van, I want you to declare that this land is mine. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell the team. I didn't tell Andrew. I just said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. So the second I stepped out of the van, out of the vehicle, I, I stepped on ground. I kind of walked off on my own. And under my breath, because I knew it had to be out loud, under my breath, I told the enemy that this is the Lord's land. And to be warned that he probably ought to vacate because it's the Lord's. I didn't think anything more of it. And then we, we spent two days there. I preached. We showed the, the Jesus film. We saw hundreds saved. The next day we came back. I, I preached for maybe 10 minutes because that day was really to pray for people. And, and if you could imagine, see, there it's not just, okay, well, you know, we might, we might expect out of, out of, you know, I think the, the second day there might have been, maybe over 1,500 or whatever it was. It was a little less than the first day. But, but you might expect, okay, we, we might have 100 come forward. Not in the bush. Not in the bush. Every single one. Because they wanted prayer. And not everyone came forward for salvation because 
because many had been already saved. And many were saved the night before, but they all came forward for prayer. They all came forward to be anointed with oil. And, and when, when we began to do that, so we, there were seven of us, we all kind of line up and they lined up these lines that just didn't seem to end. I'm pretty sure people would go from one line, get in another line. Cause we, we did this for, for hours. And, and, but then one thing that I did not know, cause I'm just paying, paying attention to the person in front of me. And what I didn't realize is that as we started anointing and praying with oil, something happened. The Holy Spirit moved in such a way that, that the ground that was literally being claimed for Jesus Christ could no longer hold the enemy. And so manifestations of the enemy started to come about. Now, again, I'm, I'm just praying for the first person in front of me, so I... I I'm I'm kind of oblivious when it comes to things. Like if you're trying to get my attention and I'm paying attention to some something else, good luck. You know, I I think that might be a guy thing. I don't know. Ask my wife. That's probably one of her frustrations. So I'm not even paying attention. But I was told later that all of a sudden what would happen as, as we're doing this somewhere in the back or whatever, somebody would just begin manifesting demonic possession. They'd flop on the ground and, and whatever, be all over the place. And then pastors would grab that person and take them into the only building that was there. It was the church building. So I didn't even know what was going on, and, and I'm praying over people, and, and, and we're praying for healing, and we're seeing healing, and, and, and praying for people's lives, and just, just so many things. And then as I'm doing this, I'm praying for this lady, and immediately in the middle of that, the Lord says, finish up what you're doing, I need you to leave. I said, okay, where, am I, where do you want me to go? I want you to go in there, and he points at the building. Okay, I had no clue what was going on. I had no clue what what I was about to step into. And and but I as as I'm approaching the building, you could see something was going on inside because everybody there were no doors and windows, but there were the openings, right? So everybody's crowded into the openings, like watching what's going on inside. I, I just thought in my mind, it's like you, have, you ever you ever see a fight happen and everybody just wants to watch. So so maybe in that way they are like us. I don't know. But but so I'm walking toward this thing, and as I, as I'm walking toward it, then the Lord tells me what it what it is and what's going on. These are where where they brought the people that are demonically possessed, and and so I walk in there. And it, it was it was a surreal scene. If if you've ever seen it on TV, there, there's a there's a movie called Furious Love that that's part of the Holy Ghost, you know, uh, ones that he did. Furious Love was uh, uh, has a part in it at this this um, crusade where they have this this tent that does the same thing, and and so it showed a little bit of that. But this was like that on steroids. Okay, I, I walk in, and, and there, there at the time, there might have been four or five people on the ground and, and just, just manifesting the enemy. And, and the, the enemy holding on to what he could, but knowing he could not stay. And, and so the Lord, Lord uh, not to get into this story long, but, um, but the Lord uh, had me begin to pray over this girl. And I'm a strong guy, okay? 
I'm a strong guy and I'm holding this girl's arms and then there's like three or four pastors holding her legs and I could not hold on. As strong as I am, I could not hold on. She got away from me and it was all I could do to hold on to one arm. And, and then, and then by that time, I think Anissa came in and Alexis came in. They're the only ones I knew. There might have been other parts of the team there as well. But, but Anissa came, Alexis was over with somebody else and then Anissa came to, to deal with this girl that I was dealing with. So Anissa kind of held one arm. I held the other arm and the pastors were on the legs until apparently they left or something. <laughs> Because I closed my eyes and I was praying and, and Anissa told me later that, that this girl, she torqued her body somehow, flipped over to try and kick me in the head and she blocked it. And of course, I'm oblivious like a guy would be. I, I'm, just, I'm just praying over her. I had my eyes closed. But, but this is what was going on and, and, and that particular girl, um, we, we prayed over and cast four demons out of. Each one in succession, each one taking a long time. And the one thing, none of this was a surprise to me. It was things I expected. It, it was things that, that there was no fear involved or anything like that because, because I knew I had complete authority over this. I will say one thing that surprised me, though. I did not realize how tiring it was going to be. You ever yell, literally, for an hour? Just, just gut-wrenchingly yell and pray and, and everything. Yeah, for an hour. Yes, moms know, right? That's what it is. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm toward the end thinking, Jesus, was this this hard for you? Was this this tiring for you? I don't, I don't know. But, but the amazing thing was, was there were so many results. We, we saw hundreds of people saved. We saw many people healed. Right? Peter prayed for a man that was blind who had his sight restored. Okay, this isn't a story that you read out of some magazine that happened somewhere else. This happened before our very eyes. He and Lindsay, and, and when he came up to them, and I wasn't there, I wish I could have been. But he, he had the blue haze, right? It was, it was a yellowish haze. It was a couldn't turn, couldn't hit, hit, turn his head to look different ways up and down. Right, okay. And, and his, his yes. it, from what you had told me, his eyes were, were clouded yes. and, and hazy. And, and you, know, you know, when you see somebody that has heavy cataracts or whatever, um, uh, you know, you can't see their pupil. You can't see the depth of their eyes. And, and after, after he prayed over him, did you have to pray twice or once? Once. Once. That's awesome. When he prayed for him, the guy could see. But not only that, Lindsay said she saw his eyes and the whole thing cleared up. Okay, th this is not a story we read. This is a story we saw. So we had healings. We had at least a dozen that manifest demonic possession be freed of multiple demonic spirits. So we're at the end of the second day. We're about to leave. And, and um, you know, it, it, for those of you who know, Ariel has a, a prophetic gift as well. And, and when it comes on her, she'll shake, right? Well, that morning she was really sick. She had been sick, I think, from the night before or something, something like that. 
Um, uh, and, and we believe her and Peter both got sick because of dehydration. Um, but so she was sick all that morning and, and we're, we're toward the end and she's with the team and, and, uh, Andrew's wife Comfort is there and a couple others and, and she starts to really shake and, and, and begins to prophesy. The father begins to prophesy through her and, and they're all thinking, oh, she's really sick. And, and, of course, then the team's telling her, no, 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 no this is a good thing. <laughs> you, you want this. And, but what was said, what the father said through her was extraordinary. Remember, I didn't tell anybody what the Lord told me to do when I got there. And this is right before we're leaving. And I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember it all, but I remember the part that had to do with what, what he told me to begin with. And he declared that this land is now his. See, that was extraordinary. Because there was a sending and a declaration at first, but see, it wasn't his. Because the enemy had control of it. The enemy had control of it for those two days that battle raged on until the enemy was gone from it. Do you see the significance of that? Because, see, that's what God wants to do with the bride. The readying of the bride is taking land, taking ground from the enemy. Because the authority of the ground is authority of what happens there. See, if you own a piece of land and you put an apartment building on it and you rent that out to people... They can't decide whatever they want to do there. They're subject to your rules because you are the authority on that ground. You have ownership of that ground. It's no different in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm, see, see, God, when Satan fell, Satan was made prince and power of the air. I want you to get this because this is important. See, we confuse that with he is the ruler of this earth. See, the ruling part of this earth is what he took. He was not given that. He took that from Adam. He became the authority of what Adam gave him because Adam was given authority. And he gave that away. It's no different in our own lives. It's no different with our church right now. In America, we have given our authority as the church away. And we give it away out of fear. We give it away out of, out of rocking the boat. We give it away because we think, well, they're not going to listen to us anyways. And one of the greatest, saddest things in America has been that the church gives it away because they feel like they don't have a right to speak into American politics. That's changing. That is ground that God wants to take back. And you're seeing that happen. You know, Lex and I, we, we watch Fox all the time and... and uh, thank the Lord for internet because I got to watch Fox over in Nigeria. <laughs> and they have cheap data, so it's like, yeah, I just let it run all night. That was awesome. Although they are five hours behind, so, you know, whatever. 
but I got to see what's going on. Alexa and I'll watch watch Fox all the time, and and these things come up, and 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 you know, well, this problem's happening, this problem's happening. They can't come up with a solution, and time and time again, I think I said it to you last night. Time and time again, I'll look and I'll say it's because the church has dropped the ball. It's because the influence of the church has diminished. That's not God's will. That's not what He wants. He does not want the influence of the church to diminish. If you don't believe that, then you've either not been here or you haven't listened the million times I've talked about Revelation 3.9. Right? That God is going to ready His bride to come again. His bride will be taken to a point where they are honored, honored, lifted up by the world. That's a crazy thought. Where God will pour such favor on his bride that the world will see that God has poured the favor on them. That's where we're headed. But see, you can't get there if you do not take ground. Take the ground that the enemy has come and taken from you. What about in your own life? What about in your own families? What ground has the enemy taken? See, when he takes authority from you, it's a much greater battle. We understand why. Why do I keep dealing with this? Over and over and over again, I deal with the same thing. It's because you can fix a circumstance and not fix the problem. The problem comes with the root of it, and that is the ground. That is the the very basis of who we are with Jesus Christ, that relationship. But see, as you understand that that the enemy has to be cast and defeated in the, the most fundamental ways first, then that battle becomes different. You know, when, when we walked into Kaduku, when we walked in there, there was no fear. There was no fear. We're in a foreign country, and, and I had been there before, and this and Alex had been there once before, but the rest of the team hadn't. They had never, they didn't know what they were in for. But yet, they knew who they were. They knew who they were in Christ. And they walked in with that authority that Christ had given for the very purpose of taking that land. Now see, that land did not cease being God's when we stepped off of it. That's the beauty of what God does. And it goes back to the vision that Shannon had. When, when those flowers, I want you to think of the flowers in that, in that vision as our love for Jesus Christ. When we say, I want relationship with you. I love you. I don't know how to get there. Show me. Because there's just this white noise all around me. But just show me how to get there because I love you. Picture that as the flower. The flower is our desire to have a relationship with him. And when we're surrounded in these these gardens that produce wrong fruit, but yet that flower 
seeks him and wants him, then the Lord takes that flower and he says to Jesus, he says, plant this in fertile ground. Plant this where it needs to be so it'll grow. Because he is about to destroy. Mark my words. He is about to destroy the religious spirit in the church. I know that's what he's called us to. That's why he said, when we began this, he said to me, you'll you'll be hated. And that's okay. Because he is going to break this religious spirit. Because all it does is produce false fruit. It doesn't produce anything that lasts. It doesn't produce anything that, that brings that spiritual nourishment, that joy, that love, that peace, all those things that are the fruit of the Spirit. And that's, that's what he's going to do. He's going to begin taking ground. And see, boy, I see it in Nigeria. But I got to tell you, I'll be honest with you. It was, it was a struggle coming back here. And I didn't recognize it at first. It was a struggle coming back to the United States because there is a falsity here. And it's that religious spirit. And I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church. There's a falseness that we hide behind and we feel good about because we have these big churches. And, and, and we, we go down and we feed the homeless and we go and, and we do this and we do that. And, and these are all, you know, these stripes, these badges of honor that, that our church does. And I'm not saying those are, those are bad things. But if the motivation is not being grown in correct soil, then it has the improper ending. It means nothing. Thessalonians says it'll be burned up. It won't be a fruit that is gold, silver, or precious stones. Instead, it'll be wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll, it'll just be burned up. For Revelation 3.9 to really happen, it has to be real. It has to be that it's cultivated not in our power, but in Jesus Christ's power. That's why he separated us. That's why he has been working in, I know all throughout his bride, there are pockets of people that he's working in that have been willing to just give everything up. Because we have. We've given, if you've been with Ignition for any length of time, you have given up a lot. I know you have. But that's being planted in good soil. That's being planted in good ground. And we're beginning to take ground. It would would take me forever, and I I get a close, but maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe Tuesday night I could say a little bit more. But so much happened in Nigeria. Even, I mean, so much ministry happened while the team was there, but, but the five days I was there after the team left was insane. It was insane. What, what God has prepared for us there, what God has prepared for us to, to reach these people, I, I can't even begin to tell you how, how 
how mind-blowing this is and what he's doing there. I'm sitting across from the governor of the state, 4.2 million people in this state. I'm sitting across from the governor. We're on live TV. All the media's in the room. Everything's going on. The team's with me. Everything. Uh, we're, we're just sitting here, and I'm listening to the governor. And you know what came out of his mouth? His testimony. His testimony of what God has done in his life. His testimony of, of how God brought him to the governorship, taking over from a, a governor and staff that had stolen so much money from this state. And he's been in there, I think, about a year and a half, he and, he and his staff. And I'm sitting here listening to his, 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 his testimony of what God did with him as a child and brought him up. But there's one thing that blew me away that he said. He said, I am convinced, I am convinced that this state will not move forward and this country will not move forward without Jesus Christ. Okay, this is a politician saying that to the church. And then to close, he said, he said when I was a, a young man, and, and I'm, I think it was 20-some years ago, he said, when I was a young man, there was this white American evangelist that came into McCurdy. And, and by the way, just so you know, that doesn't happen very often. Okay, when I went there for the first time, I brought the only white population into Benoist State. And then I doubled it when I brought my wife. But he said, he said when I was a young man, a, a white evangelist came through, and, and he said he prophesied over this area. And he said the world would be reached through Africa. Africa would be reached through Nigeria. Nigeria would be reached through McCurdy. And he said, when you were here last time, he said, I, he was gone both times before. He was out of the country. But he said, I heard what you said. He said, you prophesied the very words, the very words that I heard 20-some years ago with his own ears. And he said, I knew when I heard that, that God is accomplishing what he said he would do 20-some years ago. Do you see the time is now? And it's not just now in Nigeria. It's now right here. And what he's doing, you have to believe. There's a sacrifice of faith. It isn't just holding on until, God, you finally do it. I've said before, faith is, is the oil that lubricates the machine. For God to be able to move forward, it is requiring that faith in us. Not just holding on and, God, please hurry up because I just... Uh. No, but believing God, I know it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be this moment that you move us on to some of the things that you have said you would do and that you promised to do. See, that faith is what fuels it. And that's not the fruit. We can't manufacture the fruit. If we went out right now and tried to, you know, put a business plan together and got in a building, and we could do that. I've done that before. We could easily grow our numbers here. 
I've, grown, I've told you before, I've grown businesses ten times faster than this. But see, that wouldn't be what God wants. That's why we're where we are right now, because we want God to do it. He has promised it. We're holding him to the promise. And until that point, we just give him our faith. We give him our, yes, I believe you, and I give you my yes. I give you my faith. So I want to encourage you. Faith is a sacrifice. Faith is a muscle that needs to be built. And it's painful to build that muscle. But that's what he wants. That's what he needs. More than that, that's what he requires. So, Father, find us faithful. Find us faithful in trusting you. Find us faithful in stepping forward in everything that you say, whether we see that step or not. Because, God, time and time again, you show yourself faithful. Not just in our needs, but, Father, in our visions, in our dreams, in our joys, in our goals, in everything. Father, you, you show yourself faithful. So if our part, God, is just to say yes and to believe, then God, help us to not fall short. Because just as in Shannon's vision, us as the flower did not plant ourselves. But we ask you to plant us in fertile ground, which you have done. So God, the process of growing us into the pieces of your temple, the pieces of your kingdom, that's not up to us. The timing isn't up to us. The piece that's up to us is the blooming, the flower. God, through our faith, Help us to put out a radiance of being a flower that has been planted by you. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We praise you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you did in Nigeria and what you're continuing to do there. And just all the things that you've shown me even by the end of the year. But God, find us faithful. And trusting you. Because what you want to do right here, right here in Newark, pales in comparison to anything else you've shown us. So we give you our yes. And we give you our faith. And we will remain strong in our faith until you fulfill it according to your will. We worship you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you. As your eyes are closed and keeping your heads bowed, I just want to give an opportunity if there is anyone here that does not know Jesus as Savior. Because all these things that I've been talking about, they only apply when we've accepted him 
who bought us with a price. So nobody looking around, but if, if you do not remember a specific time in your life, not that you just believe in God, but that you prayed and you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, asked him to come into your heart and become the master of your life. If you do not remember a specific time doing that, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I will not call you out. You won't have to do anything. I want to pray for you. Is there anyone? So as you know Jesus Christ, that good work has been begun in you, that he will finish it. If you let him, he will finish it. So Father, give us the strength of faith to know and believe exactly what you are doing. Because we trust you. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. He quoted it several times, but the verse that he just spoke of is Philippians 1.6. So if there is a text or a theme today, it's Philippians 1.6. Um, I, um, I just have to add this little what the vision means to me, and that is that um, in my ministry for many years in women's ministry, I remember feeling like we were getting so much growth and we were developing all these awesome things, and it just was falling flat. The women were coming into class. We were averaging 65 ladies just in my Sunday school class, and it seemed so great, but they were coming in with the same problems. They, there, there was not individual Victories, And I remember having discussions with my leadership team at the time, you know, what are we missing? Because what's the point of having growth and having another program or having a cookbook or having a this or having a that if people's lives aren't transformed? That's the false fruit that's full of spiders. Yes. And, and so as I began, and we had just the year previously, God had given me this five-year vision, and all of a sudden, he just stopped. It was like a dead stop in my mind. And I remember the, the Sunday that I had to say to the ladies, I said, you know, something has happened within me. And I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, I don't have any vision for you right now. I said, God is changing something and doing something. Little did I know what was going on with Greg and that there was, you know, that what was around the corner was a completely new calling and that I would be leaving that whole chapter in my life. But the pain of that circumstantial shift and change and all that stuff was the answer to my prayer. You know, God knew that what I was wanting, I wanted genuine fruit. I didn't realize that to get the purity of what I've asked him for would take so much stripping. And when we started this work, I said, I don't even know where I fit anymore. I don't even know what, what to do anymore. I don't... Did none of all those years of ministry mean anything to me? And God just said, it's not that I can't use it, but the falseness of it, you asked me to strip it away. I had to prune it. So he had to strip everything down so that I could come to a place where, okay, now my lens is that everything, like he said, everything is about relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what's going to last. And you know, when you think about it, I, I hope and pray, I, my, my prayer for you today listening to this message is that you figure out and, and get real with God as to why you're even here. 
You know, we, we plan our lives and we have our plans. And, and uh, what, if we're older, we have plans for our kids, maybe for our lives, you know, to a degree, depending on how old we are. And then some of the young have all these plans for their life. It really, we are so limited. God has way better plans for us than we have for ourselves. And so, it, and then we wonder why we're spinning our wheels and why we're having these problems and we're not happy and we're having conflicts and problems. Boy, when you just are surrendered to God and you just say yes, what he will do, what he will blossom, what he will just flow out of you, the happiness, the joy that you'll possess is so much better. And so um, there is a cost. There is a cost. But it's such a beautiful reward that, again, when your lens is right, it doesn't feel like a cost. You know, a lot of people think there's a cost to get in shape. Well, then there's a point when you start getting in shape where you actually... You, you, you literally long to exercise. I know that might just fall flat on some people today. But it's the same with when your lens is right. You know, when you get the right lens about your health, the right lens about certain... When you get the right lens about the Christian life, it is so not a drudgery. You will just, you'll just be delighting to get in the Word and just be like, man, I just, just, just land it on me, God. Just give me something awesome. Because it will become the, just the life of, of, your, of your life. And so, um, so I just... I pray that you will... Ask God that, God, I don't know that I get it. Help me get it. You might not even know how to pray because you know what? It's, it's true. You don't know what you don't know. But today the Holy Spirit spoke and opened you up a little bit. If, you, if, you're, if you're still puzzled, then say, Lord, help me to get what he was talking about because there are parts of it I might not get. Help me to get it. And I'm telling you, begin to just trust God. Begin, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. But begin to just trust him that he will, if he starts a work in you, he has started a work in you. Do you know why? Because you're here. You're born. You know, you, you started life. You're born. So he has started a good work in you. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6. Stand, 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 stand. Go, go to the microphone. We can't hear. Can you grab it? I don't think it's going much further. This is what I believe the Lord. That's right. Lesson learned. Now you know we can get up. I am like way too close to the I don't hear words like this very often. And you know what I, and I pray I hear certain things, but not in it. In service, and this is what I believe the Lord is saying today. My favor is upon you. Hold on. Amen. Hold on to my promises. I have tears in my eyes. I can't. I can't read. I have not deceived you. I am doing a new thing. Watch and wait for it. I am. I am, and will bring it to pass. Amen, and I hope that you will take that to heart because that's not just for the corporate body of us. It is for each of you here. Yes. It is not an accident that you're here today, right now, at this time, and having heard this message. That's right. Please soak it in. Man, when you come, receive all you can, fill up, and then pour it back out. Yeah. But it is not a mistake that you heard what you heard today, so that is so exciting. Um, I want to just say, I don't know if you have any other additional announcements, but I want to just... Um, tell you that this past Wednesday was um, Greg's birthday, and so as, um, uh, 
as the pastor of our church, we wanted to just share a, a little bit of, of a birthday cake for you. So, um, Berkey, come on up here. Berkey, listen to me. I'm talking to her with the, the same the same name I get, gave her when she was little. I'm so sorry. Brooke, not Berkey. But we're going to sing happy birthday. So, Do I get a piece of birthday cake now? No. Yeah. No, that's right. What is this, America? <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's kind of a hypocrisy because I have this cake thing with him. That's all right. Birthdays, birthdays and, um, I don't know, maybe other special occasions you can have cake. All right. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Greg and Josh. Father and Josh. Happy birthday to you. But we want to honor him, and it worked out perfectly anyway because today is Josh's birthday. So we're going to we're going to um, have uh, just a little slice for you to take with you, and of course, uh, wishing you Happy Mother's Day, and come and give whatever other announcement yeah. you have. Um, my my big announcement. Okay, now now that uh, I'm back from Nigeria, we have huge focus, and that's creation. So yes, here we go. We have a lot. To do now, if you have not, uh, if you're planning to go to creation and if you have not signed up, we need to get you signed up. If you're not planning to go to creation, then we need to talk. <laughs> but I got to tell you, this year is going to be very different. It's going to be very. It, for those of you who don't know, creation is anywhere from about sixty to seventy-five, eighty thousand people. Okay, this year, this is crazy. But listen to this. This year, creation has asked us, Ignition, to put together the entire prayer team. So we will be responsible for the prayer team. Not only that, but I've been talking to them for about two years about doing something called a passion intensive there. And that is discipleship training for those who accept Jesus Christ at the festival. And so, so they're going to do a test run this year. They're giving us a, a couple-hour block every day in the afternoon. And so those who accept Christ the night before will be invited to this discipleship training block. Uh, and really, it's a, it's, a, it's a time for us to just begin to pour in and, and set up a contact with them. And so I really want you to pray about that. I really want you to get involved with that because God is going to do something amazing with that. And, it, and it's going to be cool because they're going to announce us from the stage. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's just so cool. So, so please, if you have not signed up yet, I know many have not yet. We need to get you on the books. We need to know, you know what we're planning and because we're going to need to start raising a little bit of money for this as well, especially since we're doing the Passion Intensive, because I want to be able to give these people some things that, they, you know, some, some information and stuff that they could take with them, and then we'll keep in contact with them. But, uh, but please, and, and Wendy, I'm going to have you come and close us in prayer, if you wouldn't mind, because I, I do want to make one more announcement here, and that is the 100 days. It, it, it just broke my heart that the 100 days of prayer ended while we were gone. And I just think that was wrong, I, I, except I guess I could have woke up at 2.30 in the morning to get on it. But, but, uh, uh, but we are on the new schedule for the phone call now. The phone call is Monday nights and Wednesday nights at 8.30. And then Tuesday nights... We, we also make, you know, the, the, what we have here for Tuesday night prayer is also on the phone call. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, first three days of the week, 
We spend just on that call in prayer, and it, it is just phenomenal. It is it, it, what it did in the first hundred days. Um, I mean, we know it affected the country. We know it affected what we were praying for, but boy, it affected me. And so I know those who were on it, it affected you. And, and it's just, there's nothing more unifying than praying together. So I want to encourage you, tomorrow night, 8.30, we'll be on the phone call, okay? When you come and close us.